Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. I want to talk today a little bit about how to navigate life as a powerful person. God's been really speaking to me a lot about how to be powerful. And my lock screen on my phone actually says, be powerful and see what happens. And I'm not talking like powerful, like, you know, getting up and working out to have big muscles or selling my minivan to buy a big car, um, but Holy Spirit empowered. My desire is that I am walking continually in the atmosphere of another world, the kingdom of heaven. I want the kingdom of heaven to be the world that I am the most aware of. That's where I want to be living from. I want my very countenance to be reflecting his eternal kingdom, the realm of God's domain. I want to live so that the Father is revealed for who he is through me. I want the Father to be revealed for who he is through my life. I don't want to live as an unpowerful, weakling victim because the enemy likes to lie. He likes to tell you that you're nobody, that you won't amount to anything, that you have no purpose, that you're a victim, that you're weak, and that you're powerless. But you are a powerful person because you have Holy Spirit flowing in and out of your life all the time. Light in the darkness, world-changing light, world-changing power at work in your life. So as a powerful person, you know who you are. Your identity comes from the love of God, from having Holy Spirit flowing inside of you. Powerful people are authentic. They know that they are loved. They know it. They know it. So what keeps us from being powerful? What walls or giants are in your life right now that are keeping you from living a powerful life? Because we need to slay those giants. We don't need those giants stomping around in our life, wrecking havoc and and keeping us from our destiny. Because we want people, when they look at us, to see God and not our mess. Amen. So I want to talk about a couple things that create walls and giants in our lives because we want those giants to go. They need to be slain. And one of those things I'm going to talk about today is wounds because people can be rude and annoying and downright hateful. And sometimes that causes us wounds. It leads to wounding. And sometimes we make choices that lead to wounding. But regardless of how we got them, everyone in this room, everyone on the planet is walking around with wounds to our spirit. And those are causing us to not be able to walk fully in our destiny. Another thing I'm going to talk about today is change. Change and transition because that's also just a ripe opportunity for the enemy to come in and to lie to us and to, um, to make us think that we're weak and powerless. Our oldest son is in a launching phase. And for the first time in my life, he's going to live hours away from me. And he's heading to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Atlanta And um, it's a huge change for our family. It's exciting and sad, all mixed together. But it's launching us into a new season. You know, Ecclesiastes 3, talking about the season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. And changing season and just change in general is really hard. Change is hard. And um, what we really want is to be able to walk through life growing and becoming healthier and stronger. 
walking as the powerful people that God has created us, ever moving closer to him, ever becoming more like him. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So we are to be being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. But you guys sometimes feel like you're decreasing, right? You get wounded or a change happens and you're starting to go backwards. That's not what the Bible says. It calls for us to be ever-increasing, ever-growing in his image. We are to be transformed with ever-increasing glory. Wounds and change can hinder us from that ever-increasing, keeping us from being powerful. So we need to learn how do we move forward? How do we find healing? How do we get to a place of adjustment so that we don't become stagnant and that we don't get caught in a negative cycle, which just perpetuates decrease? Because we are not, to, we are not called to decrease. We are called to increase. But it's impossible to walk on earth and not suffer some wounds. Now, I'm not talking about physical wounds, like when my child was trying to climb up the walk, rock waterfall and he, his toenail came off. Ooh, that was a very physical pain. Fortunately, I had Band-Aids, of course, in my backpack that I was carrying around. But I'm not talking about physical wounding. I'm talking about those woundings that happen to our soul. Those wounds that happen, you know, sometimes it happens um, really obviously and sometimes it's really subtle. Sometimes it just comes from a disappointment, an expectation that wasn't met. Sometimes it comes from a mistake or a choice that we make. Sometimes it comes from things that we open the door to let into our lives. Some we can't control. They're caused by others. Some are from social or racial norms. When people don't meet our expectations, some are as simple as when someone walks past you in church and doesn't make eye contact with you. Some are as complicated as when you go through a traumatic experience that you did not choose. So there are just a plethora of opportunities to experience wounds and hurt. And the thing about wounds is this. It changes how you see life. It changes what you expect out of life and what you expect out of your relationships. And usually, it changes things for the negative. Because the enemy wants to reinterpret people to us. Have you ever been so sure that someone was trying to offend you? You're just so sure of it. That's the enemy wanting to reinterpret people to us. So if we let these wounds fester, it keeps us from being powerful. They keep us from fulfilling the destiny and the plans that God has for our lives. They slow us down. They decrease our effectiveness. See, God wants to take us to a place of inner healing. He wants us to live from that high place, high above our troubles. Because God has a plan. He's got an individual plan for you. For every bump, bruise, and scrape that you've encountered by walking through this life. He has a plan for you. A plan for complete restoration. Complete restoration. The thing about wounds, they come in all sizes, big ones, small ones. And though we all have them, not all of our lives are defined by our wounds. We're not all defined by them. So how do we 
who are wounded, walking wounded, how do we allow, not allow our lives to be defined by these wounds? Well, we tap into God's individual plan for our lives because he has good plans for you. Of course, one of our favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We have got to believe in the goodness of God. We cannot let our wounds define us. We have to lay down our right to the pain. We have to lay down the pain and the injustice and allow God to bring healing. And it's a process. It's a process of laying it down and letting it go. We have to release that right to hold on to the pain because that is how we're going to receive our healing and our transformation. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it to get healthy. It's worth it to go through the process, the laying it down, even the small ones. Because sometimes, you know, we take these small ones and we shrug it off like it's not really harming us. But it hurts. You know, the other day I was taking a staple off of a paper and it poked me. I thought, oh, that's a little wound. I just ignored it. But guess what? Later I was trying to do some things and it hurt really, really bad. And so even when there's a little wound, we got to take care of it. We can't let those linger. We cannot let them fester. We cannot let them slow us down in achieving what God has for us. What God has for us. So you're powerful in how much your wounds get healed. Because it's a choice. God gives us a choice. So we are powerful because it might not have been just or fair what happened to you. The wounds that you received might not have been just. They might not have been fair. You might have every right to hold on to your pain, to be hurt. But holding on to it does not do any good. It does not help the problem whatsoever. Often holding on to the pain only creates a cycle or a loop, a pattern that just reinforces the pain. Just reinforces the pain. Blake Healy, he's the leader of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Atlanta, shares that people have some different ways that they cope or try to protect their wounds. And one of them is cynicism. And this one really caught me. Because I would say I'm not a cynical person. I'm pretty upbeat and joyful most of the time. But the way he described it was like, oh, my goodness. It says, cynicism. This is when you believe the lies the enemy is saying about you. I'm thinking cynicism has to do with what I think about other people. But when you believe the lies that the enemy is saying about you, it makes you able, it opens the door for you to be able to listen to the lies that the enemy is saying about other people. So we got to catch it, catch it right away. When the enemy is speaking lies to us, we got to just nip it in the bud because that is an open door for him to lie to us about other people. Because our standard needs to be God's love, not how other people treat us through their weakness. Our standard of how we view people, how we view relationship needs to be God's love. Not what the enemy is saying about those people. The standard is God's love. Another way that people deal with wounds is justice. Now, justice sounds really good. But if you use justice selfishly, what you do is you put people who have hurt you into the villain box, into the bad guy box. And then you're just living out of reaction to pain, which usually causes you to do two things. One, go extremely in the opposite direction, or two, 
cycle through that negative behavior over and over and over. That negative pattern being repeated. Justice is good only when it's viewed through God's love. Then it can bring transformation. Another way that we try to deal with wounds sometimes is through identity. Now, identity is great if it comes from God's love. But if it does not come through the love of God, if our identity is found somewhere else, it quickly turns into entitlement. Everyone owes me something. Someone has wounded me, and I am owed to get to the front of the line, right? I am owed to get that for free. I am owed to be grouchy today because I am hurt, and I deserve to be grouchy. Ah, ouch, ouch. That is not working. People with this attitude, guess what happens? They start to get rejected. People are like, I don't want to give that to you. And then what happens? The cycle is repeated. I'm rejected. I'm wounded again. I'm a victim again. We've got to find our identity through the love of God. Our identity, when it looks like in the presence of love, the presence of God, this is where we're empowered. This is where we find our powerful life. Sometimes we even use the goodness of God to take care of our wounds. We're like, well, God is good, so I'm just going to smile. Hi, everybody. Everything's fine. You're using it as a cover-up. Well, God is good, so I'm not really hurt. They're just using it to cover up. But you have to truly encounter the goodness of God for the goodness of God to bring healing to those wounds. You cannot use it as a fake smile, as a fake cover-up. We've got to deal with our stuff. We need to encounter the goodness and love of God. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We have got to bear with one another. We have got to fight for connection because the enemy is trying to get in there and cause us to reinterpret one another. But we have got to fight for love, for connection. Overall, put on love. Over all the other virtue, this is what binds them together. The virtues of kindness and compassion, they're bound together. They flow out of, they begin in love. I saw this teacher. It said, God loves you. I'm still working on it. <laughs> and I laughed and I thought about that is so true sometimes. We have got to love each other with God's love because sometimes our flesh is still working on loving the hard people in our life. We have got to let the love of God be over all, over all, put on love, over all. We need to create good connections with one another. But first, our connection needs to come from God. If we try to get connected other places first, it just sets us up for wounding. Because if, if, I, if I come over here and I'm half empty and I try to connect with this person, then I'm trying to get them to fill me up. I'm trying to get them to, to fill some of the empty places. And it leads to wounding. But when we connect with one another after we're full of God, after we're covered over with the love of God, and we're allowing God to interpret our relationships, what people are saying, what their intentions are. It's coming all through the eyes of the love of God instead of through the eyes of our need. We've got to be 
connected with the Father first. We want to reach the world outside of these walls. We have to be connected. We have to be filled with the Father. We have to know the Father. We have to have spent time with the Father. Our connection with God is so, so important for us to be healthy in our relationships, to have healthy relationships and connections with others. Now, the other really cool thing is our connection encounters with God are really important because what we focus on affects the way we see things, whether we're thinking about it or not. What we focus on affects the way we th- see things, whether we're actually focusing on it or not. They've been doing these some studies, and back when there was black and white TV, guess what people dreamed in? Black and white. Once there were color TVs, guess how people started dreaming? In color. What you focus on, whether you're thinking about it at the time or not, affects. It affects things. The way we see things. And last Saturday, we were in Atlanta um, visiting my family, and it was after 9 at night. And it had been a long, fun, and noisy day. We had started out at the farmer's market first thing in the morning, and we had been busy taking the kids to parks, and it had been a really fun day. And I was, I was ready to get the kids in bed, though. It was after 9, and, you know, I was ready. It's time for bed. Have some, some peace and quiet. But my parents very kindly took us to the Chick-fil-A Luau for a bedtime snack. Now, the Chick-fil-A Luau, there's only one of them. It's a Chick-fil-A. One side is like a normal-ish Chick-fil-A, and the other side is um, a Luau restaurant. So you walk in the store, and they have, like, palm trees, and they have, um, like, I don't know, all kinds of, like, it's very, very island feel. There's maps of, of the islands on the walls, and they have a whole section of instruments that your kids can play. Well, my kids picked up some ukuleles, and they were leaping around the restaurant, singing at the top of their lungs and playing these ukuleles at full blast. And I was like, oh, my goodness, these kids could be in bed. And my focus started being on me and my needs. And the enemy was just like, you need to be alone right now. You deserve some peace and quiet. You've been a good mom today. You've been so patient with them. You deserve some peace and quiet. And I was like, I was not ever increasing in my glory. I was doing what? I was decreasing in the the image of God. I was decreasing in my ever-increasing glory. And my oldest looked to me and said, hey, mom, isn't this fun? Isn't this great? This is like vacation. In that one sentence, shifted my focus. And instead of being annoyed by their noise, I started enjoying it. I was like, yeah, this is vacation. You know, they had the island music playing, and my kids were playing the ukulele around there. And my brother actually works at the Chick-fil-A Luau, so all the employees were coming out to meet us. And I was like, wow, this is fun. So I went from being totally annoyed at a situation to really enjoying the moment, to enjoying the moment. And all it was, only thing that was different, the kids were still leaping around. They were still playing their ukuleles. The only difference was my focus. So what are we focusing on? What's your focus? What's your focus? Oh, and the Chick-fil-A Luau, they have sweet potato waffle fries. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, they were good. All right. So where's your focus? Um... A friend recently challenged us. This was such a good challenge, and that's why I'm going to challenge you with it. Um, He said, 
every day we have between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts. That's about 35 to 48 a minute. So 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts. So could we take a few of those thoughts and focus them on God's desire to be with you, that he is with you. And the joy of his presence will increase in your life. Because we can be as close to God as we want to be. Because he is wholly available to us. And we are as close to him as we want to be. So his challenge was to take some focus, take some of those thoughts, focus them on the presence of God. And the joy of his presence will increase in your life. That ever-increasing glory, that ever-being molded into his image. Where's our focus? Where's our focus? Because the enemy is trying to scare us away from healing. He wants to keep us wounded, focused on our wounds instead of focused on those around us. He wants us to hold on to that pain. He wants to reinforce the lies that we are believing about ourselves and the lies that we're believing about other people. But God's perfect love is for us to bring healing from all of our wounds. So our challenge is to lay down, give up the right to hold on to our pain. First, we need to encounter the love of God. We need to have an encounter with him, focus on him, and from there, Attack the lies in the strongholds from the presence of God, from our focus on God. Attack the lies in the strongholds that the wounds have built. We also need to be willing to serve and engage in our community. Look around you. This is your community. We need to be willing to serve and engage with one another. And we need to believe what the Lord is saying over your life. Because the Father is speaking amazing things over your life. It's awesome. He's just speaking truth over you or who you are, where you're going. And we need to believe what the Father is saying over our lives. So what are you dealing with right now? What are you carrying? Because the cool thing is that God sees you as his perfect child that he dreamed of when he created you. And it doesn't matter if the wound was from a choice or whether it was something that someone else caused. God has redeemed every single bit of it. He has redeemed it all. The enemy wants to keep you in a cycle of negativity where the pain just goes and goes. He wants you to believe lies like people don't like you or God really doesn't care. Those are the lies of the enemy. For healing, we've got to tell the enemy to get out of here. I'm not going to believe those lies. Replace it with God's truth. Start declaring truth. Start speaking truth over your life. Start speaking what the Father is saying over your life. Let go of your right to hold on to the pain, and God will meet you there. He will walk you through the process, whether that includes prayer ministry, counseling, whether it's just engaging and serving more in your community, whether it's having some hard conversations with your friends and your mentors. You know, being on vacation gave Kenny and I some time to have some hard conversations about our kids. You know, sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, the kids are this, the kids are doing that, and we're, we're trying to talk about it, but it's busy, and we kind of push each other's buttons a little bit. But being away gave us some time to really say, okay, this child's got this going on. How do we really get from where we're here to where we want to be over here? And we just stuck in that conversation. We 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 pressed in, and, you know, sometimes when we have woundings from other people, we need to have a hard conversation, have a good conversation with our mentors where our mentors speak into our life and say, hey, you're being really sensitive about this. This is something that you need to let go of, or this is something that you need to forgive. So have those hard conversations. Let your friends speak into your life. We want to push through it. 
Get out of the negative cycle because perfect peace is on the other side. Ultimately, pushing through our wounds, asking the Lord for healing, laying down our pain, pursuing his presence. That is where the victory is. That is for our greatest good. Because being on earth, there's stuff that hurt us yesterday. There's stuff that's going to hurt us today and tomorrow. And pain is pain, whether it's big or whether it's small. But God's love is the answer. That's where we're going to start. The path to healing is through the love of God. We will not let our wounds define us. We will let God's love heal us and define us. So when we see him face to face, that is where we find our victory. We need to be restored from our wounds, both our big ones and our small ones, so that we do not get stagnant. We do not get stuck in our negative cycle. But we're continually being transformed into his image, that we are ever increasing in glory, being transformed into his image, being, walking in healing, walking in health. Another thing that I felt like, you know, wounds were just something that I felt like just made us super powerless. So being able to lay down the wounds, to get the healing, to walk, to walk in his presence. But the other thing that really I felt like causes me to walk in powerlessness that, that just kind of makes me weak is change. Because change is hard. Change is hard. And I need to learn how to handle healthy change in a healthy way in order to increase and to grow, to not get stuck. Um, like I said earlier, my oldest child is leaving in September. And, you know, I've really been surprised by how emotional I have been about it. I thought, oh, it's part of life. Kids go, they launch, I'm going to be fine. But I've been crying, like almost every day. Like just a, like a few tears here, a few tears there. And so I really surprised myself. Um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is only number one. Like, <laughs> I got a lot more years of this. Like, I need to learn how to handle change. And, um, and the cool thing is, I mean, he's doing ministry school. Like, seriously, I should be super happy about this. And I am. It's an awesome opportunity. But I'm also going to miss him like crazy, even though we're happy about his choice. And so I've been just been meeting with the Lord, like, Lord, how do I handle change in a healthy way? How do we handle changing seasons in a way that helps us to continue to be a powerful person, that makes us be an empowering person? And so we went camping, which, you know, Zach and Kenny have both talked about our camping experience. But we went camping after Atlanta. We went to the North Carolina mountains. And um, we, our campsite had, like, this river or creek running alongside of it. And so we went to Walmart. And for $4.97, we got tubes. We bought four of them. And so we had to take turns. But so we had these tubes. And at our campsite, we would just walk up this trail. And anywhere we want, we would just drop the tubes in the water, get in. We would just sail down this creek. And then we'd get, like, the swimming hole, and we'd, we'd get back out. And I was thinking life is kind of like going down the river on a tube. Because it's sometimes we just glided along. It was just smooth sailing. And then every once in a while, we would collide with a rock. And then one time, I went sailing into the bank and got all tangled up in this tree. This tree was, like, overhanging. And I'm like, get me out of here. You know, as I'm trying to get these branches, I was, like, picturing the movies where there's, like, snakes hanging down and stuff. And I'm like, get me out of here. But I did not see a snake, so that's okay. My, my little boys said they saw one, but not in that tree. So I was good. But then the craziest part was we'd be going down the rapids. And all of a sudden, we would have what my kids called a butt cruncher. And that's when there was a rock under the water that you couldn't see. 
and it made very painful contact with your booty. And so it got me thinking about that in life. Like sometimes we're just sailing along, it's smooth sailing, and then the next minute we get hit by something that we just did not see coming. And I was thinking, oh, life is like that sometimes. Change is hard. And, and Danny Silk says this. It was such a good quote. It says, just as a seed must be transformed in order to be fruitful, so must we be willing to go through a process of change. When we want to be fruitful, just like that seed has got to transform, we've got to be willing to go through that process of change to be transformed, to be fruitful. Now, change can be challenging. Sometimes it's great. Like when we just adopted our four Filipino children last year, it was challenging, but it was such a good change for our family. There's just so many giggles in our house. It's so much fun. And, um, and sometimes change is hard, like the loss of our, my father-in-law. Um, he passed away through CJD. And it was, that was a really challenging, very fast change for us to go through. But change is a process. And I wish you could just snap your fingers and be at acceptance, be at adjustment. And I wish I could just accept whatever change came our way, whether it's as simple as that they've moved the stuff around at Costco again. I'm like, can they not just leave the frozen strawberries in the same spot? I mean, really, Costco, I've never been in a store that moves stuff around as much as Costco. And I, and I have to shop there because, you know, that's, you know, that's where my budget allows. But they move in those stuff around constantly and I like start stomping my foot. Oh, where'd they put it this time? I have to turn around. And that's like such a simple change, such a simple change, you know. But then there's also difficult changes, the loss of a loved one or a move or a loss of a job. But generally, as humans, we go through changes kind of like we do the stages of grief. Sometimes we hit the stages in different order. Sometimes we go back through some of the stages before we get to a healthy adjustment. Sometimes we enter and exit at different spots. But being aware of these stages can help us move through them in a quicker and healthier manner, moving us to be more powerful instead of weakening us and making us feel like victims. Because change has a way of making us feel like a victim sometimes. So there's the type of change that you can control, and there's the kind of change that you can't control, that just happens. Um, typically a change, whether it's out of your control or you choose it, causes a reaction to that change. And so I asked my sister Sarah, she has a job actually in change management. So I said, can you send me some info on these reactions that people typically have to change? Now she's a super researcher, so she sent me like five different charts all about the process of change. And so I kind of put these charts together a little bit. And basically, when we have change, we react to those changes. And that through, it's like a defense or a coping mechanism for us. Okay, so usually you have shock and denial. And then you've got anger, bargaining, depression, then engagement, decisions, integration and acceptance, and then reinforcement and sustainment. So we gotta be careful that we don't get stuck in these stages. So first you have shock and denial. Usually that comes first to help us to kind of absorb the news of change. We might not wanna believe that the change is happening. Next is anger. Why me? This is not fair. I mean, even with the strawberries, I'm like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why couldn't they have moved the strawberries tomorrow, right? Simple example. But anger, why me? Not fair. You oftentimes here we look for somebody else to blame. This step is often accompanied by irritability, frustration, and resistance. And at some point, we try the next step, which is bargaining, trying to postpone the inevitable. 
When we realize bargaining is not going to work, we can have two reactions. One is depression. Well, what's the point of even trying? The change is just going to happen. Why bother? Or instead of depression, at that point, we can choose engagement. And this is where we start thinking positively about the change and how we can prepare for it and how we can move forward with it. We start making the decisions that are going to lead us. So we have then the next is decisions. We start making decisions. And that leads us to integration and acceptance. We achieve, we achieve that acceptance like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's time to look forward. And finally, we reinforce and sustain life with the change. So moving between the stages is normal. What we want to watch for is that we don't get stuck. And then where is our focus as we go through change? Because it needs to be on God because he is with us. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. And hope is the thread that needs to be our companion. As we go through the stages of change, hope is our companion. Romans 15, 13, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope because there is no change in life that God has not prepared you for. No change, no loss, no move, no surprise. There's no change that God has not prepared you for. So abound in hope. No matter what your circumstances look like, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what it looks like, abound in hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We cannot lose sight of this eternal glory that far outweighs our change, that far outweighs our wounds. We cannot lose sight of that eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So it continues. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We cannot lose focus of the eternal. Keeping our eyes fixed on him instead of the changes surrounding us keeps us ever increasing in his glory. It keeps us growing in his image. It keeps us growing as a powerful person. Um, there's a few keys of being a powerful person and living an empowering life that I want to share with you. Jake Hamilton says this, Everybody wants to begin where they're supposed to end up. Don't you? Don't you want to already be totally in his image? Don't you want to be where you're supposed to end up? But life is a process. It's a process. It's a daily getting up, focusing our attention on him, focusing our eyes on the internal, on the unseen, living from a place of the kingdom. It's, 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 a, it's a daily choice to choose. I am going to be a powerful person today and see what happens. I'm not a victim. And so I want to share some keys with about how to be a powerful person, some practical tips. Because, you know, I'm a children's pastor. It's all about the practical. And uh, so as a powerful person, we need to have good communication. Communication is so important. We need to not be dominating people with our words. We also don't need to be a victim and letting people walk all over us with their words. 
good communication, not being passive aggressive, telling people one thing, but yet showing them another. Good communication takes responsibility for what is going on inside of us. If people are rude, we don't shrink back in fear. We don't hold on to unforgiveness and resentment. And we don't become dominating and controlling. We see them through the eyes of God's love. We take responsibility for what's going on inside of us. Powerful people also take responsibility for their decisions with truth and integrity. Take responsibility for their decisions. They don't go around blaming other people or blaming their circumstances. When they make a mess, they clean it up. We were driving home from the mountains yesterday, and we're just driving along, and Kenny goes, uh-oh, I thought the speed limit was 70 here. You know that road when you're just coming in forever and the speed goes up and down and up and down that road coming into Wilmington? I don't know what it's called because I don't pay attention to road names. But like it goes up and down and up and down. He goes, oh, I thought it was 70 here. But thankfully, we did not get pulled over. We were the only one to notice that we were going over the speed. But sometimes when we get a ticket or when something bad happens in life, we look to others to blame them instead of taking responsibility for our decisions we blame the police officer. Or we blame God. We, we, we look to blame somebody. But the reality is there's a law of sowing and reaping. And sometimes there's consequences that result. But powerful people take responsibility for their decisions and actions, even when they've made poor ones. When they make a mess, they clean it up. Powerful people manage their emotions. They know they cannot control others, how others treat them, or what happens to them. But they can control how they respond. They manage their emotions. It's not like when, when, when somebody's rude. It's not like, you know, when you go to the doctor and they, they hit your leg and your leg kicks out. Those kind of reactions. That's not what happens. They say, Holy Spirit, what is this that's going on around me? How can I respond instead of reacting? How can I respond to this situation, to this person, through your love, through the Father? Oh, I love this one too. Powerful people know that under pressure... What's inside comes out. So they cultivate a healthy inner life. And I was thinking about this. I was like, who had a really rough life? And when they got squeezed, good stuff came out. And, I, and I'm the children's pastor, so I immediately thought of Joseph, right? We, we teach that Bible story a lot. And, like, awful stuff happened to that man. He was sold into slavery, got falsely imprisoned, like, years of awful stuff. Not just, like, the little bumps that we experience and we're like, oh, What's God doing to me now? No, like he went through some really, like really hard years. And he was under some intense pressure. But what came out? What came out? A good attitude. Some amazing dreams, interpretation of dreams. Like he walked in this incredible divine purpose. When he was squeezed, goodness came out. And so I just challenge you to cultivate your inner life. That there be that healthy, healthy inner life. That, when I say inner life, I mean that's your, that's your time with God. That's the time that you built up with, with spending time in his presence, reading his word, worshiping, praying in the spirit. You're, you're building a strong, you're cultivating a healthy inner life. So that when the pressure is on, good comes out. I like the way the book of Luke puts it. Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what is your heart full of? 
My favorite attitude is an attitude of gratitude because you can't go wrong with an attitude of gratitude, with a living a life of thankfulness. When you get squeezed, when you live a life of thankfulness, good things come out. All right, powerful people affect their environment instead of being affected by it. Powerful people know that they always have a choice. The more you make godly choices, the easier it will be to make godly choices. But you always know that you have a choice because powerful people are not victims. They're volunteers. Powerful people are volunteers, not victims. And I have a child who loves to play the victim role. And it's like a reoccurring pattern that we see in his life. When someone, and people, they they take advantage of it. Because when one of the other kids, if this kid has what they want, they'll just start, oh, I want that. I wanted to have that. Why do you have that? And then this kid, he starts feeling bad and selfish for having it. And he goes, here, just take it. I didn't want it anyways. And he falls into this victim role. Now, if the Lord tells you to give something to someone, go for it. But as you're volunteering it, that's wonderful. But my son, he gives it and then he goes and sulks. He plays the victim. He is not happy that he gave it. And so this happened while we are camping over a fishing pole. Because we had one fishing pole and lots of children camping. And this particular child had the fishing pole. And this other child wanted the fishing pole. So they started in. I was like, oh, here we go. This reoccurring pattern. And so here we go. This person said, I want it. I want it. Why do you have it? Why can't I have it? Fine. Take the fishing pole. I don't want it anyways. And he stomps over, you know, to our little camping chair and plops himself down. And he's just, he's just sulking. You know, and so I just started praying for a breakthrough. And I just went over to him. And I knelt down. And I just looked him in the eyes. And I just said, if you want to share that pull with them, that's fine. But you're a powerful person and you have a choice. You are not a victim. You are a powerful person. I said, I want you to declare that after me. I want you to declare I am not a victim. He goes, I am a victim. I said, no, I want you to declare I am not a victim. He goes, I'm a victim. So, you know, in my brain, I just start praying in the spirit. And I'm like, you know, I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, we need breakthrough in this area. And so I say it again. Three times he says, I'm a victim. The fourth time he goes, I am not a victim. I said, I am a powerful person. He goes, I am a powerful person. And he got a smile on his face. And I was thinking, you know, this is a heart issue that all of us fall into sometimes. You know, and victims do not make good decisions. You know, powerful people do. So I want you guys to declare after me. I hope you get it the first time, not the third time, or the fourth time. I am not a victim. I am a powerful person. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. Well, powerful people love and honor others no matter how they are treated. Because honor is a relational tool that protects the value people place on those who are different from them. Because it's easy to honor people who are like us. But people who are different than us, sometimes it's hard. But honor is a tool that helps us to protect the value of people who are different from the way we are. Now, we are a powerful person. Danny Silk says this. We can choose to love because he chose to love you. We want to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Um, Lisa Moore was telling me this morning that she was actually studying the word forgiveness this morning. And that the root of that was to give graciously. When we forgive, we are giving graciously. That actually in the root word is the word grace. So when we forgive, we are extending grace. We are graciously giving. And we want to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. 
Now, powerful people know who they are and whose they are. Their identity is rooted in the love and the salvation of God because God enjoys you. We went to this waterfall, which we've talked about a lot this morning, but the older kids in Kenny climbed up on the rocks and they leapt into this swimming hole. Okay, even our youngest, you know, he's the little tiny seven-year-old. He's like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. So Kenny picks little Jacob up, and he just launches him in the air. I got great pictures of him just, he was sitting because Kenny threw him, and he just sat, and he sat all the way until he hit the water in this, in this sit-down position, and he just came up, you know, just laughing, and Zach was down there to, to scoop him up and bring him to the shore, and just laughing and bubbling with laughter, and they're like, hey, do you want to come jump? And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> But I enjoyed their enjoyment, their laughter, just watching them just take that leap, you know, and land in the water, that freedom that they're exhibiting. I really enjoyed their enjoyment. And that's how God is with us. He loves our enjoyment. He loves our enjoyment. Powerful people do not live in fear and do not listen to fear. Now, fear is really sneaky. It tries to sneak in with all kinds of things. I was even thinking about this morning. Sometimes when the little kids get up, it's a little earlier than I really want everybody up. Because when we leave for church, we have what's called the first crew and the second crew. And it's really nice for me if only the first crew is up. That's whoever's on the worship team or and Kenny gets here really early. And that's like my first crew. And I like for it to be quiet. Not everybody else get up. Because then everybody's in the kitchen and it's busy. And I just like it, you know, first crew, second crew. So the little boys got up this morning, though. And they were, you know, good morning, good morning. They were being really noisy. And I was like, shh, 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 one crew at a time, shh, 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 shh. You know, I thought even that was fear trying to sneak in, trying to sneak in, just in my little morning routine, trying to say, you're, you're afraid. You don't want everybody up here. I don't know. I just, it just, the Lord was just like, that's fear trying to get in, trying to like, you should be excited when the little boys get up. Let them be exuberant. If the, if the other kids could get up before it's time for them to get up, what's wrong with that? There was nothing wrong with that. But fear was just trying to get in there and sneak its way. So fear is a little sneaky thing. you got to watch out for them. Do not live in fear. and Do not listen to fear. Okay? Powerful people do not listen to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and self-control. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So do not live in fear. Do not listen to fear. And listen carefully because fear tries to sneak in all different little ways. Fear, get out in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, powerful people choose to live in relationship and surrender to Jesus. If you get nothing out, nothing else except for this, powerful people live in relationship and in surrender to Jesus. His light inside of us does not turn off. He shines from us, and it affects everything we do in life. So what would it look like if you were a powerful person in your marriage? If you were a powerful person with your children? If you're a powerful person on your job? The Holy Spirit's power flowing through you, looking at people through the eyes of God's love. You've got to know that you're loved and that God has good plans for you. This needs to move from concept to conviction so that it can be a lifestyle. Your heart needs to find perfect rest in his care because his unconditional love is present even in our pain. I read this quote. I don't know where I read it, but it was really good. I jotted it down. It said, just when she thought her life was over, the caterpillar became a butterfly. 
Just when she thought her life was over, the caterpillar became a butterfly. Unconditional love is present even in our pain. George Mueller said, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. He is our soul, S-O-U-L, our soul provider, the one who provides for all of our soul needs, all, everything that our soul longs for. He is that soul provider. And, and he's also the S-O-L-E, the soul provider, our only provider who can fill us up, who can heal us so that we can reach the world around us. So as we move into ministry time, I want you just to ask God to show you any areas that, that, that wounds or that change has built up walls or created a giant in your life. Because it is time for the sole provider to slay some giants in this room today. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Or maybe you have a health issue that comes from stress or from worry or from a wounding. Today is a day of healing. So let's stand we can, if the ministry team can come on forward. We just want to encounter the Lord for a few minutes. Just lift your hands or kneel. Feel free during this time to come forward for prayer. Lord, we surrender right now to you. God, we surrender the right to hold on to our pain and to our wounds. God, we declare that you are our sole provider. God, we ask that you would come and provide for every need in this room right now. God, we ask, God, for you to bring healing, God, spiritually, emotionally, physically. God, we just ask for you to come. God, we give you permission to reveal your love to us, to your goodness to us, God. God, we lay down everything that weakens us, God. We lay down everything that keeps us from walking the powerful life that you have created for us, God. God, we want to be continually transformed into your image, God, in ever-increasing glory. God, please help us to live a life, God, to navigate life as powerful people, God.